It's time to decide. You must choose your subscription box. Do you want fluffy, fuzzy things? Do you want a watch that you'll barely even wear? How about more collectibles to fill the shelves in your room? No! You don't want that. You want horror movies, and you want them on DVD. No, you want them on Blu-ray. Well, buddy, it must be an omen, because here I am, and here's HorrorPack.com. Join HorrorPack.com for $19.99 a month and get three killer DVD movies plus one exclusive. Or join up for $24.99 a month and get three Blu-ray blood soakers and an exclusive each month. There, now you've made up your mind. Or I have. HorrorPack.com for the best scare anywhere. Okay. Are we recording again? We're, we're recording, but I haven't started anything yet. Okay. Because <clears throat> I thought he was going to say something. What was I going to say? I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, Marcho recommends you put on your headphones now to listen to... Hey everybody, it's time for another Teen Rally the Podcast. That's right, you really do actually still listen to this show. So uh, this week we're still talking with Daniel Goldberg from Citizen Gold and uh, a little more chatty and whatnot this time around. So uh, pay attention and uh, if you haven't listened to his first show, go on back to last week's episode and take a listen to that. All right, we'll see you at the end. Bye. Hi, everybody. We're back here with uh, Daniel Goldberg, frontman of and apparently head writer and <laughs> all the all the things for uh, Citizen Gold. I was meaning to ask you this in the first half: Is it Citizen Gold because you wanted to use part of your last name in it? So. We actually started out, and we were Goldberg. That was just sort of what I went with, because that's how kind of and so all now my you were a wrestler or a bagel place, <laughs> right? Uh, and then we yeah, but you gotta get your CDs in Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> we had a signed by Goldberg. <laughs> we had a a manager that that played with our heartstrings for a little bit, and he uh, he he disappeared on us, but. He did give us a good piece of advice, which is to change the name, since there was, of course, plenty of things called Goldberg out there in the world. You know, I just didn't know what to call it, so that's kind of what we went with originally. But we changed it to Citizen Gold, and yeah, we wanted to have, we wanted to have something gold in there, so that it was, you know, somewhat related to what we were originally called, and not so that maybe it would help sort of with the name recognition. But yeah, that was kind of my my idea about it, and you know. I am going to be nice and say that it's not all me, of course. I do have, you know, my producer David produced a lot of our album. Uh, Mikey, our bassist, also produced uh, one of our songs. And then our trumpet player Johnny did all the horn work for pretty much the entire thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, so those are the main people that were really a part of the first album and making it possible. So I can't take all of the credit, but I do, do a lot of the work. 
So it sounds like you got like four core members, yourself is included in that group, of course. But yes, yeah, for the most part. I mean, we're we're an interesting period right now. I mean, we're working on stuff for 2020, and we're evaluating a lot of different things, and you know how we're gonna make the new sound for this next album be, and you know what it's gonna sound like, and so you know we'll see what what happens with this production, but it's gonna be generally a lot of the same style, you know. But we do want to add some spacey elements and make it more something that when you see it live, it's you know more almost performance art too on top of the like very dancey stuff that we did for the first album. So just trying to make it a nice balance, you know, for for the new stuff. Leaning more towards Parliament, are we? <laughs> no, it, honestly, we'll probably lean more towards you know, like I said, very spacey. And some of it will be more more synth driven than, yeah. than the first album. Um, we'll have horns still involved, but it won't be like as prevalent throughout the entire album as as the first one was. So that's kind of what we're going for. And we have about six six or seven songs, maybe even a little bit more that we've already sort of started pre production on. And the kind of the way we do things is a little bit backwards. Um, usually I have the producer starts and he gives me something and then I write words to it and then we kind of deconstruct it from there and then add the real live instruments on top of the, you know, synthesizers and things that have been, you know, created. So, yeah, it's an interesting process. I love it and I'm really excited about getting this next album out there. It's just a matter of uh, getting some funding together, which is what we're working on now. And, uh, Do you have an Indiegogo or a Patreon or anything? We do have a Patreon set up, but it's not it's not set up as well as I would like it. I still got to do a lot of work on it before I can really send people there and feel good about it. But yeah, I do have a Patreon that I'm trying to run, and one of the things that we're trying to do is actually make it so that people pay, you know, maybe give us like a monthly, you know, five dollar thing, and then you get to go to like one show a month for free. So things like that, just sort of to help us, you know, you're gonna help us every month, and then we'll give you, you know free show in return and things like that so, that's pretty cool yeah one of the big things is also just trying to hit up a few investors um, you know I had some investors help us with the first album and uh, so just trying to trying to do that again and go through that process which is my least favorite part about everything that yeah. we do but you know and it's hard it's because part of it people when they do the Patreon thing they expect them to get something in return and having something to give them in return requires money which you're trying to get from them yeah, it's kind it's of this tough. horrible circular nightmare. We've, we've talked about it in the past, but it's like, well, what are we going to give people for giving well, us money? What are, what are the with, perks? With the Patreon, it's not always giving people stuff. Most of the Patreon stuff is, like, especially like uh, Foil Arms and Hog, which is an Irish comedic trio. Their Patreon is, they get to see, their thing is, they get to see the videos before it goes out on YouTube. And then, you know, you can get discounts on swag. That's how most of them do it. It's mm -hmm. just like, you get to see our stuff before everybody else. And then, and this is kind of weird, you go into the more adult-themed stuff, the porn and all that. Their thing is, you get these types of pictures you get the dirty, dirty pictures. Or <laughs> everybody else just getting dirty pictures? <laughs> and, and so, for their Patreons, they get special pictures. Right. And then everybody else gets to see just, you know, TNA. 
Yeah. So that's how a lot of that Patreon works. Now, yeah. if you're doing Indiegogo and Kickstarter, then they expect something. Well, you know, yeah. I'm giving you a hundred bucks one time. I because Patreon is a monthly thing typically. Mm-hmm. The Indiegogo and all that is one shot. So here's a hundred bucks. I want my name in lights and the finger in my ass. And so, you know, you're like, well, that's, you know, that's what I'm doing for a hundred bucks. So, you know, I'll show up at your house at 530 and uh, we'll putting the lights up in a little bit. Or a finger condom. So, yeah, exactly. One of those things you use to count money. Yeah. I mean, that Indiegogo and, and Kickstarter SS, that works for, like, if you have a product you're putting out. Like, yeah. This is a movie. This is an album. Yes, yeah. heated bed fan or whatever the <laughs> fuck they're starting to sell. Yeah, you get you, you get your product. You you know you get your whatever your perk is, and and it's done. Patreon is a more like this is an ongoing project. Yeah, type thing. It's like a membership to be a part of you know your creation and and yeah. to sort of be a part of it in your own way, which is really cool. And I, I love the idea of Patreon. I just haven't put in enough work because I mean all that stuff obviously takes a lot of work and forethought to be a, be successful I mean you, you know and time yeah a lot I mean, of time I can't tell you how many bands I see constantly you know they're putting out you know Indiegogo campaigns and all that trying to get money or they're trying to do GoFundMe and I've even been guilty of it you just don't have enough material or examples of things to show people to make them enticed mm-hmm. to actually do that and so that's really what it comes down to that's really how you can make your money you have to have pretty much everything thought out already and then say oh okay all we need is a little bit of money you know yeah and that that can be tough as a creative because obviously if you don't know what your budget is it can be hard to think about what you know you're actually going to be able to create yeah you know and pull off in a way that will be you know good (laughs) you gotta watch out for that girl I see that mind working as you block my
something like I have is like if we wanted to do Patreon thing for this podcast, that I would want the people who contribute to have something, mm. but I don't want it to be like a special show or something because I don't want people who who listen to the show who can't afford to contribute to be not allowed to hear that content. Right. You know, we're doing something just for these people. Unless nobody really wants to hear that kind of thing. Well, but then why would we give that to well, people and that's who like, contribute? I mean, that's one of those things like he was saying. Is it's more like I want something outside the people of the who, show. who are paying for it, they get it first, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of like, that would be the benefit for them to pay monthly because they get to hear it first. Right. That and that benefit. feels... What's I mean, that? To a lot of people... Big of a benefit. It's not a But a lot of people like that to, because yeah. in the case of the Foil Arms and Hog... You get to see what they're doing on Monday, mm-hmm. whereas because I don't do the Patreon, I don't get to see it until Saturday. So you can already be laughing about it and getting a good laugh, and he's like, "Oh, I can't wait till you see it. It's funny as hell. You're gonna love it." Now, granted, yes, there can be quote spoilers, but like with our with our show, we you and I know people aren't listening to it on Friday. Actually, a lot of our hits actually come from day of release. Really, do they? See, see, I don't know this stuff. A little bit, yeah. But it, it is spread out. So a lot of the folks that are listening to our show, and I'm just going to keep going, uh, aren't directly on Friday. You know, some of them might be Saturday. Some of them might be Monday. Oh, yeah. Just during the week while they're working, you know, you want to hear the intellectual side. You you pull your left ear out and have just Chris. You want to hear the <laughs> idiot. Then you pull your right ear out and you have me the whole time. But uh, you're listening to the show, but it's not one day so in our case that'd be a little different I would be more like him I wouldn't mind whoever's paying you get a t-shirt and a beanie mm-hmm. you know right or you get a t-shirt and a sticker and then at the end of the year we give you a special digital copy of our our end of the year bash mm-hmm. or whatever we do something special just for the end of the year just for those people right you know and then we're like this will be released next year for the people who don't pay, so they'll hear it on Jan one, but you're getting it December, you know. Yeah. Well, there's a it's a whole concept of first of uh, quote unquote FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. Yeah. I mean that's that's what a lot of these things kind of play off of, you know. Is people in a world right now where it's really hard to be special in a way or or stand out or, or to like you know be a part of something, you know those people. They like the idea of, again, being first and being a part of something. Well, they must, because every time you look at a post, first! Yeah, people like to be the first at doing things, and they like to know things, you know, before everybody else does. Um, but they're usually still late to the party, because <laughs> they, they wait until you're known by 20,000 people, and then they're like, oh, nobody knows about them yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's hard to get those first 20,000 people, or even close to it. <laughs> There's an example that irked me that there was um, mm. when Chasing Amy came out on Blu-ray they put a special episode of Smodcast their podcast on that disc that was it wasn't being released it was going to be on that disc and it irked me because there's people like well, what about people who don't have Blu-ray players what about people who listen to this show every week they'll miss this one episode because they don't have access to it but had they not called it an episode of the podcast it said an additional commentary track yeah wouldn't have bothered me in the least mm-hmm. 
but for people who are specifically fans of that show, it is a, an encouragement for them to go get that Blu-ray. But if they didn't have a Blu-ray player, they didn't yeah. have access to it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's that's just not good either. I mean, but you know, in their case, of course, they're already extremely well known. People are going to listen to that podcast. They probably are going to go buy that special edition, you know, because they're fans, you know, and that's kind of. As creators, I mean, we, we have to get creative about how we can generate revenue because a lot of the times there are so many free services out there and, and so many, it's it's like everything's very accessible, which is great, but the, the actual, again, making money off of it as the creator who you know, spent the $10,000 created or bought the studio time to recoup that money, you have to do things like that where you're forcing people to spend more money to be able to get that thing because you're trying to generate new revenue. Right. You know? Well, I mean, well, I would say like the, the, like you have your album that you release and then like for the backers, you may have like remixes or extended versions of these songs mm-hmm. that they can get a hold of where you're getting some, the person who's the average fan who can't afford to cough up the money for both the album and the, and the Patreon, they'll still have the album. Right. And here's a few extra tracks that are on the album, but these are extended versions. Or yeah, or here's or, here's some demos. Or demos. And yeah, yeah. Like, here's here's a piece of the process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that in our case so that like, wouldn't work, but in your case that might be that might be something people would be interested in. Yeah, because every time I get, well, I, I have an old band from the '80s that I, I I really like, and I bought on iTunes everything. Yeah, like it was. It literally said, this is everything we've done. And it had an entire CD of just demos. And there's whole songs on there that... Were never released. Well, no, well, yeah. But they were changed and then released. And it's just like, this is great. Because I get to hear these songs, how they originally recorded it. And then went, nah. Right. And then re-recorded it underneath the new name with... 80% 80% new lyrics, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, we have, we have like, two songs we didn't even put on our album, you know, that we did, that we did mastering and everything, and we just, you know, I sent it to everybody afterwards and was like, all right, take a good listen, you know, listen to it all the way through like you would if you were going to listen to the album, and, you know, let's see if there's anything in there that stands out or whatever. So yeah, we had two of them. Kind of everybody generally agreed that those two were not our strongest, so we we removed them. You know. But see, you could, if you had the patrons, you could be like, oh, here's two extra songs that we had for this album right. that didn't make it. Well, yeah, and that's sort of another no, maybe thing we'll, we do for incentive. Maybe we'll call them bonus tracks, and we'll not. Well, not not imply that they might be substandard. <laughs> well, no, I mean there are bands out there that is, they can be just as good as everything else, and just like. Yeah, let's leave these two off, man. We can do something with them later. Well, and it's yeah. like, and it, and it's our opinion, right? Because I mean, for example, Pharrell, he wrote "Happy" five years before he ever released it, and right. he shopped it around to a number of labels for them to help, you know, distribute it. And a lot of them turned him down. So many of them were like, "This song is dumb. It's never gonna work. No one like, no one's gonna like this song." And now it's played in every stadium across the yeah. United States. And it, and then when it came out, it was huge, and he made probably a billion dollars off of that one song. I mean, at least close to it, you know. And that's the funny thing about music too. It's like just because I might think it's crap doesn't mean that it's crap, really. Right. We could put it out there, and people could love it. You just never know how people are gonna take things, and that's one of the most frustrating things about creating something. You're trying to make it 
in the you know the for the ears of the people that you're playing for. Right. And I think that at least that's the the right way to go about it. <clears throat> right. You know? Oh, well, it's a don't worry, be happy. Bobby McFerrin right. from the eighties, late eighties, eighty eight, eighty seven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you first hear, it, you're like, oh, that's that's kind of cool and, and and boppy, and you'll listen to it two or three times, and some people will say, okay, yeah, I'm done. Let's go on to something else. It's still huge. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the thing is, and, and the rest of his career is, you know, and now he's not bad, so I'm not saying this because he's bad, but his career is a plateau. Yeah. It, it, he did that. That was the peak. And then it kind of dropped down a little bit, and he hit that plateau, and that's where he's been ever since. Right. Because he, that, he had been doing music like that for, for years, years before. Years. Right. It, that one just hit and stuck. And, and people just love it. And you know, well, like, I think if you like look, Buster Poindexter, you know, yeah, hot, 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 Ugh. you know, amazing success. The rest of his Buster Poindexter career, you know, was garbage. No, he, those are good albums, but they're just not. I think a ever lot gonna of reach times, that, that yeah. level. Well, I think a lot of times too, what happens with artists is they do that, right? Still they make that song that hits, and then they're constantly trying to basically recreate that hit. that same thing. And I think that's the mistake that I that a lot of musicians make. And the producers and the record companies tell right, you to do it. Do that. That's, yeah, that's why if you listen to bubblegum pop music, everybody sounds the fucking same. Essentially, yeah. like remember Stacy Q? She yeah. had the one big hit, then they released the next song. It sounded like the same exact song with different lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, that happens a lot. And and bands get set up in one sound, and yeah, like you said, the record label kind of makes them have to stick to that sound in reality, you know, they probably want to be more experimental and try new things. No one can take your 
you tap me, yeah, you tap me. Home from the best, prepare for the worst. Life can be a gift and it can be a curse. Yeah, it can be a curse. Home from the best, prepare for the worst. Love can be a gift and it can be a curse. And two, I wanted to introduce us right off the bat as a band where you're not going to hear the same song every time, no, where it's going to be different. But and there is next to that. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to one of their albums, the track list, I mean, it holds together, but you don't get to pigeonhole them as one thing. And then when the next album comes out, it's a whole nother mix of stuff. Yeah. And they have hits, but if you listen to them back to back, it's like, how does this go with this and how does this go with that? Yeah. If you listen to their album... Everything flows. it makes more sense. But if you listen to a greatest hits collection, it's kind of like this is all over the place. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like one of my favorite artists, like Van Morrison. You know, if you listen to some of his early stuff, I've actually told several people, like Gloria, for example. So many people didn't know that, that was Van Morrison. Like a lot of my friends know more of his later hits. You know, like uh, you know Moon Dance and Brown Eyed Girl and stuff like that and that that style. But when he first started, he was very much almost Motown sort of in his approach yeah. and like. So it's funny, you know, just how you, you know, people evolve over time, and I think that's really what's important for a, an artist to do. And, and some things that happen to some people is they, like I said, they get that one hit, and then they're just chasing that hit instead of just trying to make good music or keep up with trends, too, because you do have to be current as a musician. And you know, Led Zeppelin was great for so long because they, they didn't do the same style the whole time. You know, if you listen to their music in the 80s, you hear the 80s influence. And then when you listen to it in the seventies, you hear the eight seventies influence. You, know? you hear the eighties influence. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? How did this happen? How did you do that? Yeah. It's all that backmasking. <laughs> or if you get like a, a band like ELO, if you listen to their first album and then you listen to well, I would say their last album. Well, but if you listen to their their last, Jeff just put out another album. Yeah, I know. That's why I said I'm not going to talk about the last album yeah. or Zoom. But if you listen to uh, Time or um, Secret Messages or those albums, sound nothing alike. There's a tiny hint of it in those later albums. Well, the same thing goes with Genesis. You look at the, the, the Genesis with Peter Gabriel and all that, and it was really proggy. Yeah. And there was some of that in the earlier albums yeah. without him. Yeah. But it, it moved away. And then, you, then I mean, you so, have a little bit of that in Abacab. You have a little yeah. bit, you have, actually, you get a little bit more proggy in, in Genesis. Yeah. And Invisible Touch, that, that prog rock influences. There's in a yeah, but it's more, it's more jazzy at that point. point. But yeah, I mean, it's just important. <clears throat> it's important for an artist to remain fresh and, and focus on, you know, what what's trending, what what sounds good to some people. And obviously, you don't want to be that exactly, but you want to use elements of that. You know, there's a new technique with synthesizers. You know, 
Well, use that. Use that technique that's being popular right now, but use it in your own way and and flip it on its head. And then but, that's how you, you create know, something you different. Had, like, you like know? Kiss got in, people got a little... Well, be in their bonnet when they yeah. kind of introduce some disco-y themes into their music. You're like, Shandy, what the fuck is this? But still, it was a big hit for them. That's true. It, yeah. And, and sometimes they, you can go too there's, far. There's right? Beth. I mean, in all reality, that is so unkiss. Well, it's not kiss. Okay, but they it's, play it at concerts. Yeah. So, but the song is is. I mean, there was not just the one guy on stage. Yeah. You know, singing about his dog. Right. <laughs> which people don't realize, which is I think it's really funny. The cat man saying about his dog. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's huge. Dude, yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge. Yeah. If you went to a kiss show and they didn't play Beth, you Beth, play you're, Beth, you're gonna be like, well, now I'm disappointed. Well, and think about it too, like Bob Dylan, right? When he, he started off, he was super folky. And, oh, yeah. You know, and everybody loved that. And then when he came out with his new sound, his first show, a lot of his original audience hated it. Mm-hmm. And they were mad and pissed off that he was playing something different. And you know that's why that's obviously Maggie's too. Maggie's Farm is such a great song because yeah, it was his song. way of saying you know I'm not gonna give you exactly what you want all the time I'm gonna do what I want to do and what makes me feel good because I feel like that's what's gonna make the best music and I agree with him on that I think that's true yeah, yeah. I I think the best bands are the ones that can change I mean look at David Bowie mm-hmm. over the decades. He was one way, and then he changed, and then he changed, and then he changed, and then, you know, before he passed on, his last album, Black Star, uh-huh. I think that's what it was. I couldn't tell you. Um, is kind of leaning back towards what he was doing, but it's so, it's so smooth, and but it's also future, and it's just like, wow. Yeah. So... You know, I mean, you look at people like that that can remake themselves every couple of albums. That's the, and that's the problem, though, is if you get known for this. This is you know, my debut album comes out and it's this, and people love it. And then when you go to make the second album, the record company's pushing you to recreate that sound, thing. and you're like, well, no, I want to go forward. And you get into that little niche there. You're known for this, and then the second you want to try and reinvent yourself, people won't let you. Right. Yeah. No, you do this. Well, not well, like the Garth Brooks thing. Yeah, yeah. But he was so well known and he was massively successful for doing this. And then he gets a wild hair and says, I want to do something a little more rock oriented and whatnot. And we'll make a game out of it. I'll change my name and be a you know, different Douche. person. And people were like, no. That, yeah, and because they knew it was exactly. him. If, they, yeah. if, if he had put somebody else's picture on the cover of that album oh, yeah. and released it, I guarantee you'd have got a much different reaction. Oh, yeah. It's like the, he the, basically became evil Garth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very because weird. all he did was just slap a fake goatee on. Well, he was playing it off as a, it was kind of a, a here's some here's some music I like doing. Yeah, and I know my core base I mean, isn't going to be into it, so we'll just make a game out of it. Have you seen? But that was my example with you know with Buster Poindexter when he came out as Buster Poindexter, most people had no clue that they knew him before. Yeah. Yeah. He had a career with the New York Dolls. He had a solo career. And now I'm going to do this type of music, and I'll do it as a character. And people didn't realize it was the guy from the New York Dolls yeah. doing this music. Yeah. And he got away with it, you know? Yeah. But yeah. now he's back with the Dolls. Good. Because Hot 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 sucks. Every, <laughs> every cruise I was on during that time frame, they played it every day, half the day. And you're just like, no! Nah! <laughs> Feeling hot, hot, hot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The album's really good. Very, 
But, you know, if you look at some of the greatest songs of all time, you know, or, or you look at, like, even, let's just say not even the greatest songs of all time, but, like, the, the Billboard Top 40 of all time, if you look at a lot of those songs, a lot of them is, it's a lot of it's escapist music. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what so many people want, you know, is that, like, everything's fine, be happy kind of stuff. It's interesting to me really look at like Olivia Newton-John's uh, thing the let's get physical or whatever <laughs> yeah that is on top one like that is actually I think it's like number one number two of all time I, that I can believe um, which is to me and that's a that's that a perfect storm what's even that funnier was a perfect is work out to that silly song too. well that was the when that big workout craze was amping up again yeah. that's so why that, that whole joke of like the whole aerobic- Anchorman I'm gonna try that new thing called jogging or jogging. I'm not sure if it's a silent J. Yeah, <laughs> that exactly. whole aerobics thing was coming into its own, and she put that song out. Right, and it just caught on. The video did not hurt. No, and every she, single one of the aerobics instructors played that song at some point yeah. in time in their little half hour. And hour she was sec. just coming off of Greece, you know. And, and no, that was Xanadu, wasn't it? Well, she just hit had Greece, and then Xanadu after that. Yeah. Yeah, she was at the height of her career for sure when she did, dropped that. And, I she, and she dropped a decent song that was catchy. It's catchy. And it dealt with something that could be applied to a new craze. Yeah. Perfect and a lot of things, you know. It's it's very suggestive and very it's incredibly literal. suggestive. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole point. I mean, right. And if you made a song like that now, you'd be sued. <laughs> because you can't do that anymore. Uh, so you, you, I wouldn't say that. I think it would be... Like I think I think what she did honestly kind of opened that door to that whole like slutty pop star thing, you know. Yeah, but you have to come out as the slutty pop star. Right. She was a squeaky clean mm-hmm. image, and she did mm-hmm. a tongue-in-cheek innuendo-filled song, which I'm sure was very provocative at that time. You know. Oh yeah. I, I imagine. I remember my mom. I was watching it on TV. My mom goes, "What is that crap?" <laughs> and then she's like, and then you know she's listening to it, and then I hear rustling in the background, and she's doing the moves, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, also you look at Kiss though. Their earlier stuff, it has a very heavy, and it sounds really heavy and dark. If you listen to the words, it's like this could be a Beach Boys song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 he he uses the Beach Boys. I says it sounds like an eight year old could have written their yeah, song. Yeah, that's true. And Which is funny because I love Kiss. I'm a huge Kiss fan. I mean, there's but you some, listen to their stuff, you're like, hey, this is some suggestive stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And when it comes out Gene Simmons' mouth, it gets more suggestive. Yeah. Yes. Or when, when it's sixteen, and or when see, it's uh, Paul Stanley in his shirtless unitard. <laughs> so and, like, so my goal when I write music, honestly, is to make it something catchy like that and have that sort of poppy aspect that gets stuck in your head. But have it something where there is like some substance to it and some some realness as to what you know we all kind of go through, at least most of us you know, on an average day kind of stuff. That's kind of always been my my goal with it. You know, it's just to make it something where you're like you're dancing and you're having a great time. And you're like, whoa, I can relate to that. Like he's saying something real and I'm still dancing. It's it's weird. This is a weird phenomenon. Yeah. And some of the things that we're gonna do for this next album is sort of playing off of modern pop and then and then taking sort of a funny funny look at it like there's actually a couple of them where it starts off and I sound like really cocky and like really into myself and then so normal and then <laughs> shut up <laughs> you asshole you yes know. anyways 
Um, and then it like starts talking about self doubt and you know how you feel like you have to constantly put on a show like on on social media and like a lot of times sort of that that concept that uh, Jim Carrey talks about where everybody's wearing these masks constantly you know when you're in front of people but in reality behind the mask we're all going through the same stuff you know we all have problems with feeling adequate or whatever or stressed out you know so that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this album is. Is definitely have that have those moments. King of self doubt. <laughs> Man, that's me better too. than being the king of pain. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I have a lot of self doubt in what I do, and you know, it's very easy to feel that when you're broke and you're hungry and you're starving. You're like, man, am I doing the right thing? You know, am I doing what I should be doing, or should I just get a job and you know pay my bills? And so I don't know. I have that battle in my head pretty much every day. So that's going to be a lot of what this album is sort of about. Is <laughs> sort of like okay. Here it is. It's my last, you know, my last real hurrah. And you know, if it doesn't doesn't land, then you know, I'll probably then just I'll be back go in two work more years and, with another last hurrah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or I'll, I might just, you know, go or work. I'll go on a retirement play, tour play for thirteen music. years. Right. I just play music for fun here and there on the sides. You never know. I mean, but I mean, it's obviously what I want to do, and I love it. And uh, you know, but it does the the journey there can can be really shitty sometimes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's good. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just I'm doing it for time. So uh, it was great having you, Daniel. Ooh, yeah, it was great being too. here, man. I enjoyed it. What's that? Oh, the batteries, too. And batteries, too, apparently. We talked another six hours, but we only recorded about two of them. <laughs> so you can imagine the rest. For our Patreon listeners. Yeah, for, <laughs> for our Patreon listeners, you get to imagine the rest. <laughs> Everybody else, fuck you. <laughs> That's what we start doing next week. We'll just start advertising our Patreon account and never put it up. <laughs> that would be funny. But I keep trying to find them on that'll, Patreon. That'll end up screwing us because somebody out there would be like, oh, it's going to drop 50 grand. But yeah, yeah. Is the Patreon account still not up? i got to get with him. Well, just to send it to me. You make the check out to Cash. Yeah. He's our accountant. Cash is our accountant? Yeah. <laughs> so make all the checks out to Cash. But uh, it was great having you. And uh, like I've said, I said a couple times, I do love listening to your stuff. And uh, yeah, I forgot where I was going, so it doesn't really matter. No, yeah, it's okay. Do it does happen. It does happen. Well, you know, it happens every minute, every once in a while. There is marijuana is a hell of a drug, man. You know. Well, you just need to tell me more about it then. All right. Well, I will off air. No, I'm <laughs> but uh, like I said, it was great having you. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait to hear your next one in. 2020 I can't wait to hear it either, man. Yeah. I really can't. <laughs> I give people the same kind of thing. Oh, I can't wait to see that new movie. I'm like, me neither. Because <laughs> uh, it means I finished it. Right. Yeah. I can't wait to see that movie. <laughs> so for, for, unless Chris has anything else to add. No, I'm just delaying it anyway. anymore. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, oh yeah, it was great. And we'll see you on air next week, everybody. So, uh, cue music. There it is. Another Achieving Reality the Podcast done and done. I hope you enjoyed our chats with Daniel, plus all the ones uh, earlier on uh, with uh, Patrick Sheeta and Aaron Simmons. We're going to have some more coming up in the new year. But until then, we're going to go back to our same old, same old with our wacky news and regular updates and just downright silliness. So, for Chris, Marissa in parentheses, 
Daniel, and the rest of the crew, I'm Larry saying, no, uh, nothing. I got nothing. Uh, nothing. Got nothing. Nothing at all. Just drawing a blank. Bye! Marissa says hello. Uh, hello. This episode of Achieving Rally the Podcast has been brought to you by, well, us. <laughs> Here at Achieving Rally the Podcast. Hey there, Achieving Rally the Podcast listeners. I know you've enjoyed us for the last five years. Well, I've got news for you. We're now available on Spotify. That's right, Spotify. Log on to your Spotify account, look at the menu bar along the top, and click on the podcast. Then, search for Achieving Reality, the podcast. It's amazing. Now there's multiple ways to listen to my wackiness and Chris's snark. Achieving Reality, the podcast, now on Spotify. Go ahead, take a listen. Citizen Gold. So everybody, clap for him. Thank you. And uh, what's that? I can't see that, Larry. Well, I was listening to them clap. Audio clap. There's a pause for effect. Yeah, there's a pause for effect. Cut out in the edit. (laughs) (laughs) Ass. And uh, (laughs) no, that'll actually probably be left in.